0: All right, everyone say one week, one week, one week to go until the launch is here. We've been preparing for six months approximately and uh, I can barely see you with all this haze. We're going to have to buy some new haze fluid for next week because that just makes the Holy Spirit move, right? Um. So we've got one week until our official launch. If some of you have been around Porter Dine, you may be seen some of the bus shelters or you've seen uh, the the billboard up in town. Uh, we've kind of went uh, loud and proud uh, with the launch. Why? Because we believe if Jesus is who he says he is, we should probably make a wee bit of a noise about him. And if we believe he changes lives, lives the way we he says he will, then maybe we should stop being private Christians, and let's start speaking a little bit louder, a bit more bolder about who Jesus is and and what he's done in our life. Can I get an amen tonight? Excellent. Thank you all three of you. So just before we start, we're in the middle of a series called Who We Are, and it's just preparation um, for for our launch, essentially, for the church. It's about who we are. Not who who are we, question mark, who we are. We know who we are and whose we are. And so it's just important sometimes that we remind our emotions who we are. Because sometimes our emotions get a little bit confused. Is anybody with me? When you're coming out tonight, part of your emotions maybe wanted to stay at home and eat some food. No? Yep, who said yeah? At least big cans, honest. Um, and so within this church, one of the, the, the core uh, core parts of our, our, our ways are, are basically, we do services. Morning and night Our set. This is our first night service that's not a gathering, just a once a month. So uh, is anyone excited about our nights? Yeah. Good um, because I really believe the nights are, are like casting a big net for, for many different types of people, and and often it's a lot easier to invite your friends, unsaved friends, to a nighttime service, because they're just about awake, and and the hangover is kind of just about worn off for a lot of them, you know what I mean, Tegan? (laughs) I'm talking about your friends, obviously, (laughs) Tegan's an evangelist on the street, just reaching all those lost people, um, and so we, we do services and we do groups uh, and this is obviously a service, a, a gathering, a corporate gathering where we, we gather together, we raise up the name of Jesus, we, we lift up, uh, we come into an atmosphere of faith, we believe uh, the things that Jesus has taught us to believe uh, in the impossible but also it's so, so important if you look on the wall as you go out there it says no God services, that's how our primary method of introducing people to Jesus is, is services it doesn't mean you can't introduce them on the, st- introduce them to Jesus on the street, but it's just something we've intentionally done. Um, but also then, the next step I- is groups, and so we want everybody to be in a group. Why? Because it's in, God has designed us for relationship, and it's in groups where we see life change. It's in groups that God has, God has designed us to, to sometimes gain healing, and, and, and to find acceptance, and to find uh, someone to pastor us, and someone to speak life over us, and It's in the small group, it's in the house group, it's in in the smaller gatherings that God does a lot of that work. Um, And so some of the groups we're going to have this Friday, Coach Carl is going to have a volleyball session. Uh, It's just a hangout really at at the senior high, it's two pound just to cover costs and we're just going to have a bit of fun Uh, and really it's really really Carl's way of, of basically getting a few people together so he can play. And, and he really just wants—he just really wants enough to get a team, so he can he can get out on a Friday night. Because um, Suzanne keeps a tight rein on that man. <laughs> yep. Rightly so. Uh, and so if you if you're about—it's it's not about uh, if you if you're ru- you feel like you're rubbish at volleyball you're invited, um, because it's not about. It's just for fun. It's for, for fel- it's for fellowship. It's for hanging out. It's for getting getting involved, meet new people. And so if you're free on Friday night, you've got some friends, please invite them along. We've also got uh, Peter and Cherith are doing a group on Thursday night, and uh, th- they're gonna break bread or have a feed, basically. And then they're, they're gonna get into the scripture and learn some stuff. Pete's, Pete and Cherith are great hosts, and, and you'll definitely uh, not regret that if you, you head there, so make sure to, to, to connect in there. I'm doing a group for like a new beginning uh, group for, for foundations-type course, um, call Starting Point from North Point Church, Annie Stanley's. Uh, I'm going to do that on a Wednesday night, and then we have Liz and Ian's group uh, for the for the more for people with more wisdom. If you need wisdom, go there, and uh, and then there's one more. Tim, uh, Tim, I've got a married and couples group in Lisburn, and so if you want to know about any of those, please come to me, and I'll point you in the right direction or, or any of the the leaders here. Um, and then for the team, our dream team, those are the people who serve who are on team already. We're going to, uh, uh, Pastor Luke, uh, who's coming to preach next week, is going to be with us and he's going to meet with the team uh, on Saturday night at 6 p.m. And really, the reason we're doing that is because so often we serve together, but it's so important that we also just hang out and have some fun and, and, and eat and, and, and uh, just relax and, and be family and so for those of those people that are on team, you're invited. For those people who aren't on team, get on team, yeah? That's the point, I'm trying to get you on team. No one's on board, that's great. No one's excited. Uh, and so we're we're so excited to have Luke as a phenomenal speaker. Um, and he was actually at Grace Generation a few weeks ago as well, and, and the reports came, coming back were just phenomenal, so... If you've got any unsaved friends, people that don't know God or are just lost in life, please just pull them by the, pay them to come, pull them by the ear, convince them. I don't know what you need to do to get them to church, but just do something. Uh, because it's, it could be a life-changing experience for them if you can just get them in here. There's just something special when God's people come together and they're full of faith. Something changes. Uh, and so I'm about to start... Uh, we ha- we're doing this series, who we are uh, we've done last week we covered the what was it six sorry s- point 0.5 six and seven, which was we looked sorry we' done four, five, six, and seven. we looked at unity and how God is all about unity. He wants his people to be unified, he wants his people to be together, not in competition with other churches, not in competition with one another, not in the comparison trap. He wants us to be unified and, and happy in who God's called us to be. And we looked at honor and how God's system is always honor. Sometimes in Northern Ireland we struggle with that um, because of our kind of political setup. We're, we're, we're just, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world. Everyone's just cr- criticizing all the time. And, uh, but it's so important in the church, we, we don't look like what the world looks like, that we have a we honor Leadership. We honour one another. We have, our co- we have a code of honour. Um, we honour our mother and father. And honour is not something that you do when someone treats you the way that you think they should. The Bible says honour your father and mother. But it doesn't say if they do a good job. It just says honour. And then you'll have good days ahead. Um, then excellence is our spirit. We, we have a spirit of excellence. That means... We want to create an environment that you, that is promotable. It's, it's an environment that you can come to that represents God well. Because excellence creates comfort. And so if we didn't have an excellent environment, we, we're always striving for it. We'll not always get it right. But if we don't strive for it, what happens is, is maybe someone will come in and they'll not be welcomed. Maybe someone will come in and... Uh, they'll feel isolated or feel rejected and it might it might might be just a circumstance that they find themselves in where they just went in and there's been no one there to welcome them but if we have a spirit of excellence we want to always get better we want to always improve we want to always uh, take feedback we want to always grow and that's what excellence is all about it's not about perfection and then we looked at joy and how joy is a choice and how that in life sometimes we get hurt can anyone give me an amen (laughs) Everyone's doing good. Um, We get hurt, and and sometimes those wounds can really hold us back. But actually, the Bible says, no, actually consider joy when you get hurt. Consider joy when wounds come come your way, when you go through a storm. Why? Because if you choose joy in the storm, if you choose to seek God in those moments, actually God can use them to change you, to better you, to make you more Christ-like. And so it's so important. And so now we're on to... Uh, The next part, but before we do so, I just want to pray. Let's just pray. God, I thank you uh, for this place. I thank you for your presence, your Holy Spirit in this room right now. God, I just pray, Father, that you would speak individually to individual situations. God, I thank you that you can just speak in many, many different ways in this space right now. God, I pray that you would change lives right now. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. So I'm just going to go straight into it. Our first point. Um, tonight is, is our number eight, which is generosity is our privilege. Generosity is our privilege. Um, and it's so important that we understand what generosity looks like. Because so often, you, you know yourself, some of us are, are very structured and some of us are very free. Some of us are free spirits. We like to float around. We don't like to be confined. Some of us like structure. We don't like to leave things to risk. And so often, some of us can think of freedom as just a, a way of just doing our own thing. I just want to do my own thing. It's like, you, you start driving a car, and you, you, some of us like to speed, but I know none of us would ever break the speed limit in here. Um, but, but some of us like to drive, and sometimes there's a red light, and sometimes it's turning amber, and then it's going to red, and sometimes we like to just go on through, right? Uh, 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 and there's close calls and sometimes we're on the motorway and uh, and 70 mile an hour seems too slow. And so often we we think that freedom, I just want to be free. I'm so confined by these rules, by these systems, by these laws. And what can happen is we feel resisted. We feel that we don't have freedom. And so, well, let's look at the other scenario. Say, okay, you have your freedom. Do what you want. Do as you please. Go where you want say what you want, and say, say you're, spi- you say, I, say, I feel like in my emotions right now, I'd love to swerve, I'd love to swerve to the right, forget about the lines, forget about the hard shoulder, I'm going down the M1, I just want to swerve into one lane, into the other, over the hard shoulder, maybe up the curb a bit, I'm back in, just doing what I want, then the police officer comes, sirens on, woo woo, pulls you over, and he says, sir, what? You, you were swerving all over the road, you were doing about 80 or 90 miles an hour, you had went past the limit, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? And you're like, well, well, officer, I know this is what you like to do, I know this is what you would prefer, but honestly, my personality, I don't really like to do that kind of stuff I don't really like the lines on the road they're, they're, I, I see them more as a you know an obstacle course I don't really like the lines they're not really they don't suit my personality my emotions don't really fit in the kind of system that you've put out there on the road I prefer to drive on the hard shoulder because it's quicker and, and it's just more fun I like the, no, the noise that when you go over the wee bit where it makes that train track noise I like that I enjoy that. That's good fun. And my friends in the back thought it was funny. And so so I would prefer to kind of do things my way, with no order, with no structure. Well, what do you think the officer's going to say? You're an absolute maniac. Get off the road quick. You're arrested. We're putting you in jail. You've lost your license. Why? Ask yourself this. That kind of freedom, would you allow... If you had a son or a daughter, would you allow them on the road with that person driving like that? If, if everybody on the road drove, some of you are in here getting convicted. You're like, that's me. I, this is going to help my driving. I'm not just going to come to Jesus, but I'm actually going to become a better driver after church. It all makes sense now. I get it. That's what the 70s is about. You're meant to stay below it. I thought you were trying to get past it. And so, so, you see, see how we think? We think freedom is I just want to do what I want when I want. But actually, the freedom that Christ died for isn't a freedom where you just go where you want and do what you want. The freedom that Christ died for is a confined freedom. It's more about trust. It's more about going in God's way. It's your life, but it's God's way. And so in order, you see, freedom's not just for me. It's for you and me. It's not just for you; it's for everyone. And so that's why, when when we have freedom, God is all about equality. God is all about a benevolent society. He's not about corruption. He's not about dysfunction. Some of the dysfunctional countries right now, what's going on in their leadership is there's self-centeredness. There's corruption. They're thinking about self. They don't have a generous spirit. Because there's no sacrifice in it. Their, their eyes are all fixed on themselves. They're not fixed on the other people within the country. And in order to do it free, uh, in order to bring true freedom to the people, you've got to have an attitude that has a love for others, not just for self. And so when we come to generosity, I just want to bring this scripture up. Actually, I'm, hold off a wee second, sorry. I just want to explain this. I'm not going to sit on this because we talked about this this morning just about tithing and how in the old testament god's system uh, that he had put in place to provide for everybody to to to, to put his temple or his tabernacle on the map why because he was trying to create a godly community he was trying to raise up his name why because it was going to put things into order and bring freedom and so in in the old testament what happened with the tithe if some of you heard about tithing tithing represents a portion, the first portion of your income. A tenth. And so what happened in the Old Testament, there was actually three ties. And and, and the first one was for the Levites or the priests or the, or the people who done the ministry. It was a sacrificial system. Um, and the second one was for God's house. And for feasts for food. So that's why we have the coffee and we're going to have feasts on Saturday night. We're going to have feasts because because something there's something about going... Being around people and food, we love to eat together, it's, it's fellowship. That's why we, I'm going to go to Peter's house on Thursday night for a feast. I might leave after, I'm only kidding, I won't. It's just going for my dinner. Can you do one every night of the week, Peter, and I will be there for the feast. And then the third part, the third part of the tithe was for the poor. You see what God was setting up? He was trying to set up a, a community, a society that was about lifting up a meeting place, providing for a meeting place that would lift up his name, break off the chains of, of shame, of bondage by the sacrificial system of the lamb. But now what we have is we have Jesus. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. So we come to church today in the New Testament. We, th- we don't need to, to sacrifice the lamb because the, the lamb that was slain has been sacrificed already but we still build God's house. It's a physical building that we meet in. We still eat together. We fellowship together. But, and we still want to reach the poor. And so let's just go straight into the scripture here, Mark and tw- in Mark 12. And so when Jesus, so in the Old Testament, what's going on here is Jesus is trying to, he's, he's getting them to a starting point. He's tra- starting to create Christian, uh, or sorry, godly community. He's starting to show us what it looks like. But the Old te- the Old Testament, uh, Is Christ concealed? The New Testament is Christ revealed. And so it's an advancement. It's a progression. That means there's more freedom now than there was back then. Amen? The temple that was once uh, only just a building and and a holy of holies that only a priest could go in once per year is now living on the inside of you. So that we're all called to be priests. That's why we want to empower people in the group setting. That's why we want to empower people on the pews. That's why we don't want people just coming to attend this church. It's not about one man or, or a band or about a few people doing all the work. It's about everybody getting on the field. And so here's Jesus talking in the New Testament in the advanced way of doing life with God. And it says here in verse uh, 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place Where the offerings were put. And watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So they were giving to the temple, to God's house, to his place of worship. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to give. But there's a difference between giving and having a spirit of generosity. See, God's all about the heart. You can give and not have a spirit of generosity. You can pray for people and, and be doing it for the wrong reason. And this is what Jesus is addressing. He says, many rich people threw in large amounts. Well, surely that's good. Surely they get brownie points for giving more. Um, but, the, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So it's like someone coming and giving a thousand pound and another giving a penny. And this is what Jesus goes on to say. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell, tell you, this poor widow... Has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put everything, put in everything, all she had to live on. You see what's going on here? They give maybe a tithe or a percent. They maybe give just a percentage, a tithe. This woman gave everything. And I'm not saying that God wants you to break your bank tonight. I'm not saying God wants you to empty it all and give it all away. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is. There was, this woman gave out of a love relationship, out of utter trust with God. It wasn't about trying to achieve forgiveness. It wasn't about trying to impress God. It wasn't about trying to impress other people. It was about full surrender to the Father. That's what God is all about. And I told a story this morning about, I was in a gym in in the States when I was doing my internship as a part of my Bible college. Uh, and a YMCA gym, and what they used to do was uh, that I paid ten dollars per month, but someone else paid ninety because it was proportional, a percentage, uh, so that it was fur. So everyone had a, a fur deal. Essentially, it's like renting a house, a student house up in Belfast. Everyone has to pay their fur deal to provide what provision provision for God's house, but also provision to reach people. Now, that's one part of it. The other part is that God wants your heart. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But guess where where your heart is, where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. And listen, whatever church you belong to, I encourage you to support, to give, not just a tithe, a tithe is a good starting point, but let me tell you a quick story. So, so I started giving from, I was 17, and uh, you know I think back, why, why, why have I still got this story? Why am I still telling this story years on? Because I, I went above, I went out of my comfort zone, I actually trusted God, It actually did, I actually trusted him with what I had, I give a tithe and then God challenged me to give over and above. And when I give over and above, so it wasn't an Old Testament minimal. You know, it's, in, in the Old Testament, what does it say? Do not kill. What does the new, in the New Testament, it says what? Love your enemy. That's a big difference. Do not kill your enemy. Just don't kill him. You can still, you know, just don't kill him. I know you want to still kill him. Just don't kill him. Jesus then comes, takes it in an advancement and says, no, I've given you the grace to actually love your enemy. So the same applies. All of a sudden, yes, we we do a bare minimum because we're just getting started in the Old Testament. Christ hasn't come yet. We're just trying to get the the framework built. But now we're in the New Testament. Hey, you're in a relationship with God. God may ask you to do more. He may blow your mind. So so that's what God done to me. I was given, tithing the church, and then all of a sudden God put an amount of 5,000 pound in my heart. I'm like, what? Get behind me, Satan. That's, that's terrible. I'm trying to get a car. I want to buy a house. Long story short, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I end up, ended up, after two years, surrendering to that. The same year, I got a house that I shouldn't have got. I started bidding for it. I got bid out. I really sensed God. It was, God had told me it was the right house for me. I got bid out. It done a full circle came back to me i got it twenty thousand pound cheaper than what the lady who previously bid uh had was looking to pay for it i then got it for that price after giving that five thousand i i'm not telling you to impress you i was scared part of me was scared but then god spoke to me and said listen phil i'm not i'm not trying to take your money i'm trying to set you up for a miracle i'm trying to set you up to show you how i'm faithful unless you trust me i can't show you And when I trusted him, the same year I got a house to to this day, which is worth, I've got 50 grand in equity in that house. The same year that I gave away uh, 5,000 over and above the tithe. And at that time I was a pastor on staff at a church. And I I calculated the sum up. I'd actually give all the money back to the church (laughs) that I had got that year. So I'd done it for free. Why? Because I just heard God's voice. I didn't have to, but I want to see God move in my life. And I, listen, you don't have to. It's not under compulsion. There's no pressure. But if you want to have a story to tell, God doesn't need your money, but he wants you to, to learn to trust him and see him and listen out for a miracle. And that's only in finances, but finances are so attached to your heart. It's an important topic. We hate it. We hate, Some of you are like, oh, I just want some coffee and a tea and to meet some new people tonight and you're giving me the hard truth. Well, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Because at the end of the day, Jesus spoke about resources and finances. Some would say more than heaven and hell because it's a block in your life. And if God can, if you can begin to release that, I, I want to hear more stories and not mine. Because what it does is it gives trust and then all of a sudden God can begin to get access into your heart. And when God gets access into your heart, get ready for God to move in mighty ways in every area of your life. So we're moving on because you're all feeling awkward. Next one. Nine. Serving is our calling. Serving is our our calling. 1 Peter 4 verses 7 to 9. It says that the, the, the end of the world is coming. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And so, we can say this many different ways, but I believe your identity is a son or a daughter. So that's who you are. That's whose you are. But we are called, when I think of a call, I just think it in basic English language, that someone's calling me. I'm called, what, what am I called? What, what do you want? What's, what do you need me to do? What, what are you saying? And, and, and often when you know who you are, then you're ready to do something now and so our, we're called to serve, our co- serve to be a servant is our calling our identity is a son or a daughter but okay I'm ready I'm a part of the family what do I need to do where do I need to go and, and, and so God that's why so I think back to, to you, if you were on your deathbed what are you remembering if you are on your deathbed what comes to your mind the things that you value the things that are of any worth i guarantee you it's nothing to do with what you got for yourself because the problem is when we want more for ourselves when we we want more control for ourselves we want more uh, uh, love for ourselves what happens is we try to control people we try to control situations we want things to work for ourselves and what can happen within that is it causes us more issues more frustrations more problems we become self-seeking we start trying to climb a ladder we're not content we don't have peace we don't have a rest in our soul and listen as humans we will always veer towards that naturally and that's why Jesus called us to serve because when you serve you first have to know who you are when you serve with, with, with a with a with a peaceful heart with a heart that it, that the war of the flesh and the spirit is over you have to know who you are to serve how, how do we change the, the world around us we need people who know that they're called to serve and this is the problem if we're up here and i'm up here and i think that my my identity is leadership then what happens is I think that I deserve it. If my identity is, is to be on a stage, what happens is when I'm off the stage, I, I no longer, I'm a different person. But if my identity is a servant first, that means whether I'm at the back, if I'm cleaning the toilets, if I'm upstairs, if I'm behind the scenes, if I'm at home, if I'm uh, in a relationship where no one else can see me, it means that my identity is, is still a servant, whether I'm up a few steps or down a few steps, whether I'm talking to, to s- someone in the government, hi- high up in the government, or if I'm talking to someone on the street, I'm still a servant. I'm still called to serve. I'm still called to serve the, the, the nobodies of society and the kings of, and the queens of society the same way. And so Jesus has called us. He came, he, he had the right. You think about it. Jesus came to earth. He had the right. He, he deserved to be on red carpet. He deserved to be, you know, you would have thought Jesus, if he came to earth a king, the, not just a king, but the king of kings, you would have thought he would have came in a big city like New York or, or, or Portadown. You know, he would have came somewhere like that. Or like L.A. or, or some big, you know, hotel in the merchant, you would have thought he would have stayed there, yeah. He came in a manger. Not because he couldn't have came in a big fancy hotel in the middle of Jerusalem. Not, not not because he couldn't have, because he chose to come in a manger. Because he had a message to bring that he had called people not to come and try and find themselves in all of these fancy, uh, sought-after things which man is man is attracted to with the eye, but he said, no, the true riches aren't found in the things in which man seeks. The true riches are found in the things that God seeks, the heart. If we can get a bunch of people to understand, listen, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll come in here, I, I'll help in wherever you want. If we can get a bunch of servants up in here where they're a servant first who gets the opportunity to lead, or gets the opportunity to be in the ushers or get the welcome team or the, the AVL team, if we can get a bunch of people that have a, a heart of a servant, we will do some serious work for the kingdom. We will do some serious work in loving the lost. We will see lives change. Why? Because God will always work through the heart of a servant. Can I get an Amen. And see, the problem is when we think about ourselves, we become, we try to fulfill ourselves, we become less patient, less forgiving, less attractive. This is what I know. I've never met someone with a servant heart who is not attractive. Not physically. But when someone isn't, you don't want to be around them. If someone's self-serving, self-seeking, they're not attractive. I've never met a a servant-hearted person who's not happy. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. But I've met plenty of people who are self, who are trying to do life their own way. Who are trying to live life in a selfish way. And it destroys their life. They have everything that they want. destroys them. How many celebrities do you see that are in a mess right now? Because they have all the money. They have all the possessions. They have the big house, the big car. They have all those things. But they don't have the heart of a servant because they're trying to serve themselves. And it destroys them and finally 10 our city is our responsibility too often we can stand around and we can kind of complain about the city are doing this and the government are doing this and it's not working out the way i want it to be and we have an attitude of like we're just going to sit and watch Actually, a lot of the ways sometimes we come to church, we're just going to sit and watch. And if they don't sing the songs the way I like it, I'll let you know. If they don't put the lights the way I want it, I'll let you know. If they talk a wee bit too much, I'll let you know. If the coffee's not exactly the right temperature, I'll let you know. It might be on Facebook. I'll probably not be big enough to tell you face to face. I'll probably tell someone else and get a whole bunch of people lined up because we're not happy because the coffee was two degrees off and we're used to it perfect. You see what can happen? Where we become spectators when really, if we're all on the field, this is what I've learned. Sometimes I've seen people in leadership who have got frustrated and they've started to complain about the person above them, their their, their oversight. And no one in here, by the way, (laughs) just did it make that clear in a previous season and and what what i learned even with my own self where i maybe felt myself complaining or or getting frustrated with things you know what happened as soon as i got into the same position i realized oh i understand now oh i understand that's quite hard now i might have complained because i didn't understand because i wasn't in their position i didn't carry their weight I didn't take responsibility. I didn't have that responsibility. You see, it's something about responsibility. When you step up, so how many people, they, they can talk in the back seat. Has anyone got any back seat drivers sitting beside them right now? They're great drivers in the back seat. They know all the right directions when you get it wrong. But oh, oh what happens when they get in the driving seat? That's why the Bible says, Do not judge lest you be judged. Because listen, all will fall short. All will make mistakes. But responsibility. I guarantee if you take responsibility for your actions and for your life and for your mistakes, I guarantee if you take responsibility, God will give you a heart, a pure heart. If you take responsibility for your mistakes, oh, you'll stay humble. If you take responsibility for your friends and, and, and making sure you play your part in friendships, you'll keep a servant heart. If you, if you take your responsibility within the church instead of complaining, I'm not saying anyone is, but I'm saying it's very easy for a human to do that, even me. Take responsibility. Make sure you're playing your part. Listen, the city, the town that we live in. Or wherever you live, don't leave it to someone else to fix it. It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility. If there's an issue, if something people are making a mess somewhere in the town, even just with litter, well, let's stop complaining about it. Yeah, I know the DOE and da da da. What are we gonna do? What are you gonna do? And so we get the opportunity as the church, if it gets dark in society, well, you know what? We can complain all day long, curse the darkness all you like. Or we can step up and we can take responsibility and we can understand that Jesus came to set us free so that we can live to set others free. And we can believe that the temple of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and we can begin to walk as Christ walked into dark places, bringing hope, bringing life, bringing love, and we can actually make a difference. And so the city is our responsibility. And so next week, we're going to have Luke coming in. We have about thirty-five to 36,000 views online. It's going to be a big week it's a big chance. It's a big opportunity to take responsibility for your family, for your loved ones, for the people in your life, even the ones that you don't like, your enemies, to maybe say, hey, come and see. Come and see. I know you've seen it this way before. I know you've been offended. I know you've been hurt by the church. I, I know you've seen religion. I know you've seen judgmentalness, but hey, hey, maybe you might see something different this time. Come and see. Because we're going to lift up only one name next week. We're going to lift up one name, and that's the name of Jesus. And we're going to do our best to create an excellent environment. We're going to do our best to represent who Jesus is by welcoming in every person that comes in through the door. And we hope we've created a place that you can trust. With your friends and with your family and your loved ones. Because listen, Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. That's a sobering thought. That's heavy. But when we surrender to who Jesus is, it's light. Let's worship. Let's go ahead and stand.